because like now kids do stupid stuff and they live. Right. When we were kids, you did something stupid. You got taken out and we didn't have to deal with you anymore. Now the stupid ones, they survive. Hey, Nostalgia Junkies, strap in for the Retro Rewind 80s experience, your electronic flashback ride to the rad, radical, and totally tubular world of the 80s. Buckle up. It's Rewind. It's Rewind time. See, that's hard to say, and I have it written down. This week, I have a guest, the Gen X social media influencer, nay, superstar, Gen X Jono. Is it Jono or Jono? It's Jono, right? It's Jono. Jono. Okay, see, I had it absolutely wrong. How are you doing, my, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. So uh, I discovered you online, and I thought your posts were absolutely hysterical. And so I wanted to reach out and see if you'd, you'd chat with me. So tell me about yourself. I think, I think we're about the same age. I think we were both kind of born in that period between like 71 and 75 or 76, somewhere around there. I'm a 1970 model Gen Xer. And I like to say like there's, there's three versions that were made of the Gen X model. There's the OGs that are like 65 to 70. The mid-range, you know, middle of the road, best of all worlds, 70, 75. And then the young kids, the uh, we watch the Challenger blow up in elementary school, young Gen Xers. And I'm like you, I think, but I fall right in the middle. Yeah, I was 72. So, yeah. you know, like dead center in there. And you know what's funny? And and this is absolutely off topic. I don't, I don't have this written down. This is not my notes. So I'm just winging it. Is what's weird is that we've only got 15 years. Yeah. And a generation, at least up until us, technically is like you know, like how long it takes for somebody to mature before they start having kids. Correct. And then yeah. it was always 20 years was the amount. And then it hits Gen X and it's 15. And I'm like, motherfuckers, where's our other five years? We were small numbers to begin with. So when you compare us, generally speaking, baby boomers are called the baby boomers for a reason. There was a baby boom. There, there's a ton of that. So, I mean, if there was a generation that needed to be sliced back a little bit, no, 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 no harm intended upon any of them, but it's them, not us. We were small to begin with. Then they cut our years down. And then they made playgrounds that basically killed off the dub among us. So I don't know. We're the smallest generation by far, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's because of the, uh, the advent of birth control and stuff. Like there's, there's a lot more young, or I'm sorry, there's a lot more older Gen Xers than younger. And it's because, you know, as birth control was introduced and became, you know, like the pill became more prevalent and, and, you know, condoms, you know, started getting passed off that cut down our generation because, you know, like the baby boomers were, were having fun. <laughs> they were out there effing. I mean, it was the free love generation, but they weren't having kids, you know, they weren't having us and. And, you know, and that's that's why we ended up being so small. I still think we weeded out the week pretty good, too. Oh, absolutely. It's you know, what's funny is we actually benefited from worse uh, medical technology because like now kids do stupid stuff and they live. Right. When we were kids, you did something stupid. You got taken out and we didn't have to deal with you anymore. Now the stupid ones, they, they survive. And that messes with Darwin and evolution. And I think it's it's a you know, it's a crime against uh, against nature is we need worse medical technology. Two things happened. Things kind of went wrong. Number one, when we needed a note on the top of the ladder saying this is not a step. And the minute they started putting on plastic bags, this is not a toy. I think those are two things that really messed up with the human genome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you needed to figure that stuff out on your own. <laughs> I mean, and if you don't, eh, maybe maybe you shouldn't breed. Fair enough. So how did you get into this whole social media influencer thing? What what makes you do it? So a lot, of, I think a lot of people discovered the different platforms during COVID. Whether you were still working or not working, most of us found we had more time on our hands than we were used to. And I think just looking for something to fill it up for a generation that for a lot of us, we've been working since we were like 12, 13, 14 years old. And I'm talking year round. I had a job, not just a summer job. I had an after school job. 
And that was normal for me and my friends. So all of a sudden, 2019, 2020 came along and they're like, well, for this mandatory amount of time, you're home whether you go back to work or not. And I still have young kids, uh, currently a 19-year-old and an 11-year-old that were both, you know, three, four years younger back then. So we started playing around with the different platforms that were out there just to to connect. And it kind of stuck. Oh, very cool. So what do you think, what has your experience been with people online? How do you think the, the people online and your interactions have been? So I got to say, that's probably the number one most surprising thing for me are the messages that I get behind the scenes. It's no exaggeration. I'll have people that watch my videos while they're going through chemo. I'll get messages from people that are just struggling, just really struggling like fish out of water when it comes to the world we live in today. And they're just for better or for worse, almost desperate for a way to get back. You mentioned Time Machine, you know, a way to go back, at least electronically. And I think a lot of people really are looking for that. And I always say, well, you know, it's obvious we can't do that. But what we can do is reach back and bring the best of what was then back to today. You know, there's nothing stopping us from agreeing to disagree with one another. There's nothing stopping us from from having the kind of fun we did back then and sharing that with our kids. And that's probably been my biggest surprise is that viewers, followers, fans, friends, whatever you want to call them, are really joining me on this journey and, and we're having a blast. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think like while a lot of us and you see a lot of videos online that talk about Gen Xers, you know, like drinking from hoses and being latchkey kids and all of that stuff. And that was all true. But, you know, we weren't the first latchkey kids. That was the silent generation. I mean, they grew up, you know, during the Depression and World War II. They were the first. I mean, they were also the ones that inspired us and kind of like helped us grow up. But what a lot of people forget is the thing that makes Gen X what it is, is we were the first generation where pop culture was aimed at our age. Before Gen X, pop culture, television, to even toys were all aimed at adults. They were all aimed at the parents. They were all aimed because that is where the buying power was. When Gen X came into, into play because we were not being supervised, well, we were, but not really. You know, we were left to our own devices. We were given money. We became an economical force. We became a spending force. And so we started having pop culture directed at us for the first time. And that's what bonded us together. So no matter who you were, when you went to school, like even if you didn't know the person, there was something for you to talk about because we were all watching the same movies and all playing the same video games. And all, you know what I mean? We had this connection. And I think that's why Gen X responds to each other the way they do now. And it's because we're, we want that connection. And it's not around. And I'll add to it, too, like during the Great Depression, Silent Gen, the greatest and all. Of, the difference with us, too, is the reasons behind our being latchkid. Those generations were latchkey, I should say, um, because a lot of times the kids were working in factories right alongside parents or adults and whatnot. We were the first generation to be latchkey because women were voluntarily entering the workforce to the numbers they did. And then second of all, people were realizing that, you know what, if they've been miserable for the past 15, 20 years, they don't need to stay married. And the me generation discovered that they were entitled to their happiness and staying together for the kids kind of stopped being a thing. I remember going into middle and high school with none of my friends' parents being divorced and graduating with 60% of them, my own included, being divorced. So that, that was a big part of it too. And I think that bonds us together. Uh, to your point with TV and things pointing to us, that is one of the biggest differences between those OG born in 1965 moon landing Gen Xers and then the youngest, because you're right, marketing forces all of a sudden zeroed in on the younger kids. Cartoons on Saturday morning became 30-minute commercials. 
there wasn't a cartoon on there that didn't have a toy attached to it. So we could go screaming, begging for He-Man. Or to my point earlier, we were working. We used our own money and bought it. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was like you. I think I had a job when I was 13. You know, I went to college when I was 15. I grew up in Hawaii and then went to college in Manhattan. And I was sent off on my own. And my, there was no problem with my, you know, my parents were like, yeah, he'll be fine. You know, <laughs> and you don't see that happening now. Yeah. <laughs> if not, we have four other kids. It's fine. And if we don't, we can still make another one that looks kind of like him in about nine months. <laughs> the, the point to all that is, is that we had a connection. And also, like, if you and I, let's say we disagreed on something for some, let's say we got into a fight, right? The next day, we, it would be left behind and we could be bonding on back to the future or something. That's what's amazing about it. Your point is right on. Kids would fight. And then the next day, one of three things would happen. They'd be best friends, they'd be indifferent, or they'd stay enemies. And all three of those options were pretty much okay. If we didn't agree, it didn't really matter all no. that much. And I mean, there was so much other shit. And it's, it's people now focus on, they focus on the disagreement and not the fact that there's so many other things that we agree on. And it's, 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 it's just become very strange, at least for me. So the thing that I say to my kids all the time, especially my 19 year old who's discovering her way through politics and, you know, she's, people say that Gen X, you know, the another thing that supposedly defines us is our apathy, that we're supposed to be like this entire generation of these apathetic people that don't care about anything. And I think they're, I've said it before, they're misrepresenting our ability to compartmentalize things and deal today with what we can change and put off that other stuff that we can't just because we have other things to do. But I'll tell her all the time, no one in the history of the world has ever donated money to a politician out of happiness. They need to make us angry in order for us to dig into our pockets and donate. And 95% of the stuff we all agree on isn't going to make us angry. So we entered into a world where politicians made more than they've ever made in the history of the world. And they need us angry to keep doing that. When, to your point, 95% of the stuff that's out there, our love for our kids, our need to be happy, our... All, that's not going to do the job. So that's why I think there's been this push to make people this way. Well, it's, you can also trace the development of Gen X through our movies. Like if you, if you start with the John Hughes movies and, you know, how high school was, you know, at that point, and it was a certain way and we were all trying to get along and all that stuff. And then the next step is Better Off Dead and Heathers, yeah. which is where we start to be slightly disenfranchised. And so we're, we're this group that's, that's, you know, all positive. We get kicked out into the real world um, where we've already been. And, you know, people forget that we're the ones that created the, the modern internet and, and most of the technology that we have now. And we were given free reign for most of the 90s until the older generation stepped in with money and kind of crashed everything. Right. And so we did everything like we were told we could do anything. We did it. And then it was sort of taken away. And so now we're like, OK, well, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing because we know what we're doing. And uh, I think the one biggest problem with Gen X is that we think that we're the most competent people. And it's true. We probably are. <laughs> but we don't think anybody else is as competent. And, and so no I think that's one of the problems. And they're, well, that's true. I mean, and, and I think that's actually hurt Gen Z in that you know, we've, we've kind of taken all the responsibility away from them because they're probably idiots. So I've got a, <laughs> right a or wrong. year old and 11 year old. So I've got, you know, one squarely a zoomer and the first of the alphas. And I'm the first to admit we, we have off the first model. <laughs> I mean, we overcorrected to a monumental degree from being this latchkey kid that, I mean, I remember being nine and selling the world's finest chocolate bars three miles from my home by myself and walking into a stranger's house while they got a check for me. And I'm sitting there oh, yeah. and luckily they gave me the check and, and, you know, let me leave, but they didn't have to. 
Now, when I became a parent, my wife screaming from upstairs, did you watch our daughter walk two doors down to her best friend's house in our neighborhood? And if I didn't, she'd come flying down and check if she'd gotten there. Um, but with the alpha, now I'm reversing course big time. And unless there's an Amber alert that even comes close to resembling what she might look like, I don't know where she is and what she's doing. It's, it's funny that you mentioned those chocolate bars because we did that in Hawaii as well. And I'm going to make a confession that I've never made here before this, but the statute of limitations is over. You see, I was a fat kid as a child. I was a, I was a large child and, uh, they gave me my box of chocolates <laughs> and I was excited. No, no, it gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> And so they give me the first box of chocolates and I stick it in my backpack and then somebody comes around and they give me another box of chocolates. Now, everybody's only supposed to get one. And because I'm a horrible human being, I take both boxes. And when I get home, I put the one box that they know about on the counter for my mom to help me with. And I take the other box and I hide behind the, uh, hide behind the house, behind this, this bush where my room is and, and, and the, you know, like the wall in the bush and I hide there and I eat the entire box and then I bury all of the wrappers so that no one will ever find them. And then I go inside and start vomiting. But yeah, so I, I, I was one of those horrible kids. I got something extra and I just ate all the candy bars and I have no idea what the point of that story was. But. Well, it, it did surprise me of one thing. It let me know that you were a cher cherished treasure because you said something that kind of shocked me. You said you put the other box in front for your mother to help you sell. Your mom actually helped you? No, but I had to report what I did. Gotcha. I know that we were latchkey kids, but we had a sense of responsibility. Sure. Like, like, you know, like I was given something that I needed to raise money. Yep. And so that was, that was important. However, I was given something extra and I ate it. Well, I just, I actually just made a video that I just posted. Um, and it actually speaks to that. It talks about some universal truths that are Gen X. And I list off like four of them. But one of them is if given the chance, whether we want to admit it or not, we all cheat. We cheated in Monopoly. Oh. You give a Gen X a banker control and Monopoly, he's stealing. There's a reason Battleship went from Battleship to Electronic Battleship, because we all moved our ships. And then if somebody really disagrees with me, I just mentioned Heads Up 7-Up, because everybody peaked. That's just the way it was. Yeah. You know, really, it's not cheating. It's your job. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, that's the way it is. Life isn't fair, and we're living by those rules. So. Fair enough. Now, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out some stuff for you. Now, because Gen X is awesome, and there are a lot of people who pretend to be Gen X, and I'm looking at the... At the, uh, the, what do they call them? Xenials? Yeah, Xenials, like the, the microgens. And I think those are obnoxious. So I'm going to test you now. I'm going to throw out some slogans. All right. And I'm going to see if you can tell me where they're from. All right. So you, I don't know if you need to do some, some mental stretches first. but Listen, I often joke that I started the world's slowest stroke somewhere around 2012, and it's been moving ever since, so nothing will help. Just go ahead and give it your best. Okay, the first one, snap, crackle, pop, and I'm not talking about the sounds your joints make when you wake up. Rice Krispies. Rice Krispies, nice. Okay, don't leave home without it. American Express. There we go. Let's see, melts in your mouth, not in your hands, which was my tagline in high school, but it was a lie. It was a lie. M&M's. Time to make the donuts. Dunkin' Donuts. Side note, my mother woke us up with that every morning before she had to leave. Because we were Greek and we owned a diner. So my parents got up before us. Kids got up for school. They got up to go to the diner. And we made our own donuts. And my mom would obnoxiously say that on her way out the door for about four years straight. I still say that. And no, nobody here knows what I'm talking about. But I still say it. Time to make the donuts. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Do you have donuts? I'm like, I don't have donuts. I'm not giving you donuts. Go get your own donuts. You already made the donuts. Last one. Where's the beef? Wendy's. Clara. Okay. You pass. You pass. Nice. Okay. So you mentioned being Greek. Let's 
let's let's get into that a little bit. So you're Greek like me. Yeah. Did you ever face any challenges growing up Greek? Because like a lot of people don't don't realize this, but Greeks were not allowed legally in the U.S. until 1945. And there was still a lot of prejudice into the 70s, which is weird because, I mean, I mean, we both are essentially white people, but considered by most people, we're not. Correct. You know what I mean? Which is which is is strange when you think about it. Yeah, I've often joked that if I'm out in the sun too much in like July and August, I'm nothing but teeth and blue eyes in the dark by 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 September. But that said, um, we grew up in a really small town midway between Rochester and Syracuse, New York. And we were the only Greeks. We were probably the only immigrant family in town, if I remember right. So like we had a restaurant that I think my father named the Deluxe Restaurant. I, it just sounded good to him, but it was never called that by anyone. It was just the Greeks. Everyone's like, oh, let's go get breakfast at the Greeks. Um, so, I mean, we weren't, my family spoke broken English. My parents had rules where we were only allowed to speak Greek in the house, but we were only allowed to speak English outside of the house because back then the, the, the methodology, the thought process, you need to assimilate. We're in America now. My parents would yell at us if we spoke Greek publicly because it would make other people uncomfortable. Um, I always worked at the restaurant. As, as soon as I could reach over the counter, I was bussing tables, waiting on tables, things like school sports. Unless I proved to my parents I was somehow exceptionally gifted, which I absolutely wasn't, um, it wasn't allowed. They're like, no, 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 you're not good enough to do that. You're not going anywhere with that. And why pay someone and you can do it? So we worked at the restaurant. And then at 14, I remember my parents said, okay, now you need a second job because you need to learn what it's like to work for someone other than family. So it was just, it was a very throwback existence because my parents parented as if they lived in the 50s because that's what it was like still overseas in Greece. And yeah, it had its challenges. Parents really didn't understand a lot. You'll see in some of my videos, I wear a Chicago Cubs cap and that's because I was a huge Bills fan. But my mother went went to get me the Bills jacket I asked for for Christmas. Christmas morning, it was a Chicago Cubs jacket. She got the colors right but misunderstood the whole thing about logos. And about five years ago, she finally confessed that she actually did know the difference. But in her words, the Cubs jacket was chippic because it was on clearance. (laughs) (laughs) You should have have tried growing up in Hawaii as the only Greek kid there. Uh, Plus, I grew up in a, um, I grew up in a Filipino neighborhood where there were, I was literally the only white person there as well. Back in the seventies, when we, we, you know, we moved there when I was four, uh, from Philadelphia, wow. they had something that was called Kill Howley Day, and a Howley is a white person. Yeah, and so if you were in school one day, uh, one day a year, you would get beat up. And the the only reason I got out of it was because they're like, "What are you?" And I'm like, "I'm Greek." And they're like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> they're like, "Is that like Portuguese?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, that works, <laughs> whatever." And so I got out of it because nobody knew what a Greek person was. But the cool thing is for a generation focused on pop culture, right? Gen X was probably, arguably, the first generation really focused on pop culture, MTV, things like that, everything coming at us. Having immigrant parents, any first generation kid will tell you, they wanted none of it. You weren't going to get the Benetton shirt. You weren't going to wear a Coca-Cola shirt because they weren't paying to advertise somebody something. Um, it just wasn't happening. That's We worked really hard because my parents would not buy anything that they looked at as superfluous or unnecessary. See, I lucked out because I'm second generation. Um, my dad, uh, who was born in 36, his, his father came over. Uh, he actually snuck into America, got caught, and they sent him to World War I to get a citizenship. 
So they're like, well, you can go back to Greece or you can go back to Greece as an American soldier. And he's like, ah, give me the gun. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I grew up and, you know, I lucked out like my dad, you know, was working when he was nine. And again, he was that silent generation. He couldn't go by the name Nastos, you know, like they had to change it back then. So um, he eventually, he was, he was in the world's first rock band. He was in Bill Haley and the Comets. As oh, wow. Player. And they wouldn't let him use his Greek name as you know as his name you know because again they the band didn't care but they knew that if they were out touring in you know in america and you had a name like you know like nastos uh, uh people were going to be like well what the hell is that and so he had to change his name and so he worked with a, a you know a stage name forever well and then greek uh, but i benefited from on that. the stage right in the 70s we had a greek vice president and we all know if, how well that went with agnew he was the first and possibly only vice president to be impeached. Well, that's, you know what? He's the first. And that's really all that matters. Yeah. And then we finally get a presidential candidate and he's sitting backwards on a tank and with a silly helmet. We've just, we've just never really done well with the spotlight, which is why my wife gets nervous that I'm doing this now. Because if some of my views are reaching into the millions, she's convinced it just won't end well. Well, you're going to sit on the back of a tank <laughs> in the wrong direction. So now talking about this, let's uh, let's talk about The Little Mermaid, because everybody was arguing about that thing. And I find it pretty ridiculous because both sides are wrong. She shouldn't have been black. She shouldn't have been a redheaded white girl. <laughs> Ariel was the daughter of Triton, the granddaughter of Poseidon. The bitch was she was Greek. She should have had dark skin, dark hair and one eyebrow. Listen, when it comes to cultural appropriation, Greeks are the first to get hit. Fraternities claim to be Greek. They use our alphabet to name viruses. The more deadly the virus, the more apt it is to use a Greek letter. When hurricanes finally make all the way through, they jump to the Greek alphabet. We're always treated like the redhead stepchild, although we're generally speaking dark-haired and olive-skinned, but you get the point. I feel like the Greeks are the Gen X of Europe is what it is. I think that's like what it is. It's because, you know, we're constantly, we're forgotten, we're ignored, but we invented Everything. Western civilization. All their good shit comes from us. We've got higher mathematics, philosophy, democracy, and anal sex. And you know what, America, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and we were... I don't even know where to go after that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So where, where can people find you online? Oh, God. So you can go on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I even have a slightly used YouTube page that I try to throw things on. Gen X, John. Did you buy it slightly used? Uh, no, but that's the way I got it. It's like everything else Gen X got, hand-me-downs. You know, we're the generation that didn't get anything brand new unless you got to be the firstborn, which, you know, was a godsend. But the problem is with the firstborn, they also had to raise the rest of us because no one else was home to do it. But yeah, so... Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Gen X, G-E-N-X, and then Jono's a nickname I've had since college, uh, J-O-N-O, and it's it's all out there. And I, I don't know, I try to post a lot of the same stuff across the platforms, but what I found is the comment section is where things really live when it comes to Gen X. My video's really just a, a jumping off point. Sometimes I feel like I'm the, I'm the stranger in the room, in the, in the room I created. You know, I'm the person at the party doing the least amount of talking because the comment sections in a lot of these places is really where some of the fun is. Some of it's pretty amazing. I mean, the, the comment section is is something that has proven to me that there is a uh, an IQ bell curve and that a lot of people are on the wrong side of that bell curve. But it's also a lot of fun. So now I absolutely love your shirts. I, I checked out your site and you've got a lot of really cool shirts. How can we get one of those if somebody wants one? I'll put links in the bottom yeah, as well. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, through a company called Redbubble. They they handle all of it. I design all the shirts. I'm actually happen to be wearing one right now. It's a uh, Columbia House Records and Tape Club Life Lessons in Music and Debt Collection. 
I, I don't know many of us that didn't start a record collection, a tape collection without 13 of them for a penny. And then we never bought anything else from them ever again. How much do you owe still okay. Columbia I right now? I am forever grateful that we bankrupted them before they were able to come after us. They lasted until the end of the 90s. I don't know how. I had an attorney comment on one of my posts about them and say they actually did try to come after us kids. But somewhere along the line, this major music company neglected to get parental signatures. And we were all minors. We were not of legal age to enter into binding contracts. So that's why they had no legal recourse to come after any of us. Oh, wait a minute. You put your real name? We like even in college, we were ordering it and you would there'd be packages that sh would show up for like Captain Kirk or oh, Mr. We, Spock the, or whoever. The first one was under my name. After that, it went downhill fast because I didn't realize that we could, you know, that they really had no authority. So then the fake names came along as just to order more and more and more of them. And I do have to admit the first time around, I might have. You remember you would have to send back a coupon or something. So the way they worked. 13 for free. You'd have to send a penny. Well, you send a penny for the first, which is the, so the legal department there came up with that. You need consideration for a contract to be binding and payments consideration. That's why it was a penny and not free. But second of all, the thing happened that you had to then buy five at their regular prices over the next year and their prices were super inflated and they made their own cassettes. So they had deals with the record companies that they would produce their own versions of these things. And they were very cheap cassettes. The album covers never had the lyrics on them. None of that stuff. They would send them automatically a lot of the times is if you didn't tell them no. If you didn't tell them no. And how many of us told them no? You know, because you had to then go and put it on a stamp and send it. It's in. rude to tell somebody no, really. Well, we were taught not to unless they were asking if we wanted candy. And then you'd have to look to your mother to see if it was okay to say yes. I think I'm going to wrap it up here, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you for hanging out. I had a lot of fun and we should definitely do this again. Sounds great. Remember the eighties are always just a click away with the retro rewind eighties experience. If you need more eighties love in your life, be sure to follow us on social media at retro rewind eighties on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We're dropping fresh nostalgia infused episodes every Tuesday that you can find on every single podcast platform in the universe until next time. Stay rad and keep retro rewinding. Thank <laughs> you.